Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. In our lives and you meet our every need. And Father, right now, God, we come to you, God. We lay at your feet every need that we have, Lord, knowing in confidence and faith, God, that you are not only able, but you are willing, God, to move in our lives. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Lord, we give you this time and this service. God, we ask that you meet with us, stir us, God, change us, God, in this place, God, we pray. Let us leave different from when we came, God. And Father, we're careful to give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good this morning? Amen. So this morning, I want to uh, take some time, and I want to uh, speak to you from my heart uh, concerning this church and our lives. Um. And I, I put that out that way to this morning because I always speak from my heart. Whenever I preach, whenever I'm ministering to you, it's always something that has uh, first been worked out or at least processed through my heart uh, to you and, and uh, concerning what uh, uh, God is speaking to me. But this morning, I, I, I want to uh, take you a little bit on a journey and, and share with you some things that I really think that we need to... Uh, taking consideration. And as we start, I don't have this verse or this passage on the screen, but um, as, as you see there, Psalms 85, I'm going to actually read to you Psalms 85 verses 6 through 9. And I want you to just listen to this. The psalmist is writing and he says, will you, uh, will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Now there is no doubt this morning that we are uh, living in some extraordinary times. And for us as Christians, this means, and this is, this is where, like I said, this is going to get a, a, a little bit... Um, I don't know what word I can put on it, a little bit dicey. So you just hang on with me. But this time that we're living in, this means for you and I, this could be our greatest moment or it could be our worst moment. And uh, it all depends on how we respond to what's in front of us. Can you say amen? amen? Responding, our response to what's going on around us whether it's in the end times or any other time, whether it's in your marriage, on your job, with your children, at home, whatever it is, your response to the circumstance you're going through, oftentimes, not often, every time, determines the outcome. How you respond to what's going on around you determines everything. And I often think back to the examples of, of the days when kings ruled over God's people and how they also faced extraordinary times. Some of them faced it with faith and strength of relationship with God, and they saw amazing things from God. How many here today want to see amazing things from God? I don't know about you, but I want to. I want to see the Bible come alive. Can you say amen? I don't want the Bible to be just merely a book that I read, 
but I want it to be a life that I live. Can you say amen? And I want to see what God does. I want to see what he does in what he says in his word. I want it to be a reality in my life. Now, other people face the circumstances. They faced it with doubt. They faced it with unbelief and even rebellion. And they, too, saw amazing things, but they were not from God. And I don't want that. Can you say amen? I don't want that. I don't want to see the other side of the coin. I have no interest in that. I have interest in what God is doing. And we are living in a time where people everywhere are looking for an answer. They are looking for something that is genuine. They are looking for something that is real. They are looking for something that can make a difference in their lives. That's what troubling times does. Listen to me, that's what difficult moments does. It shakes us out of our complacency and it wakes us up. A church, if there's ever been a time when the church of Jesus Christ needs to be shook and woke up, it's now. Can you say amen? So I want you to listen to these verses. I want you to listen to these verses. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. He says, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now listen, you need to understand something about this verse and, and the next one to follow is he is speaking to Christians. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to people like you and I that have come into a place of relationship with Jesus Christ, and he says to them, it's time to cast off the works of darkness. All of us struggle, amen? The problem isn't struggling. Struggling has never been the problem. It's when we grow comfortable with the struggle. See, the, the problem of the day and hour in which we live, it's not the fact that there are wicked things that are going on in the earth. It's the fact that society, <clears throat> by and large, is trying to normalize the wicked things that are going on in the earth. What's happening is we're, we're rapidly moving into a place where they're saying it's okay to be wrong. And if the church is not careful, we will buy into that, and we need to throw that off. Can you say amen? And then he says, and then put on the armor of light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 and 17, through 17, it says, Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Walk in wisdom. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand <coughs> what the will of the Lord is. Listen to this, these, these verses out of the New Living Translations, verses 15 through 17. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't, don't act thoughtlessly, 
but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, I want to say to you in this place that the, what the Lord wants you, say me, what he wants you to do. Every person in this place has a gift, has a calling, has a part. There is something that you can contribute to the whole. God has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter if it's picking up paper on the floor or preaching from behind this pulpit. It is all important and God values it all. Can you say amen? And the reason it is there is so that we can face the times that we're living in, not in, in, in dread or in defeat, but in victory. Can you say amen? That we can actually be the church of Jesus Christ in the world. See, I don't think there's any greater advice for the days that we're living in than to wake up, especially if we want to see a move of God in our church, in our city, and in our lives. Let me ask the question, how many today want to see a move of God in our church? Raise your hand. Amen. How, we want to see it, don't we? we how many, let's, let's broaden it, how many want to see a move of God in Kingman, Arizona? I mean, you don't have to drive through this town very long before you figure out that there is a great need in this town. Can you say Amen. I've been a part of Kingman, Arizona since 1984, and I can tell you that this town has been ripe for revival for a very long time. This town is ripe for the gospel of Jesus Christ to change lives. What God is waiting on is a people that will actually be the people of God. What he's waiting on is for people to rise up and take their place in the kingdom and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That we'll actually live the life that God calls us to live. Can you say amen? That's everything from the spectrum of being holy and righteous all the way to the other side of the equation where we are walking in the supernatural and believing God to do miracles in our midst. We cannot divorce ourselves from either. Can you say amen? We need to be right before God. We need to live in a way that glorifies him. We need to uh, be careful of how we speak and what we put into our heart and our minds. And we need to allow God to change us, but we also need to contend for his spirit to be poured out on our lives so that we can become the vessels of that revival, bringing the supernatural power of God to bear on the works of the devil in this city. Can you say amen. And what I want to speak to you about today is about revival. Revival in our church, revival in our city, and revival in our lives. But folks, we have to understand that revival is messy. And listen, I'm going to say some three words I'm going to use right now that's really offensive. Okay, I'm almost going to cuss. Are you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to almost just get up and I'm getting in your face. Here it is. Revival means change. <laughs> you thought I was going somewhere else, did you? Revival means change. And revival must begin first in us. See, I've been thinking a lot about it lately. I've been thinking a lot about revival. 
And I've been thinking about what revival really is. And when we think about revival, we have a tendency to think about revival in terms of people getting saved and healed and delivered and all of those things. And no doubt those things have their part in it. But usually those things are the result of genuine revival. You say, well, what is revival? Revival is when the Spirit of God comes into a body that was once alive and flourishing, but now is threatening to become a corpse. And he revives it. That's revival. And somewhere along the line, church, look at I am not getting up here and I am not looking and going, hey, you bunch of bad people and all that. I'm saying what happens, it is easy to find comfort in our complacency. It is easy to just slip into the flow. It's kind of like what my, my most favorite thing in all the earth, and they got rid of it, and you can't do it anymore, is there was a place in Las Vegas, it was a water park called Wet n' Wild. And we would go there, and they had a, 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 one of the, the rides, I, I, you call it a ride, it really wasn't a ride, but they called it the Lazy River. And you would get in the lazy river and you would put your big old fat body in a tube and you would literally float around the park. And that, I loved it. I, I, I remember the first time we went to, to Wet n' Wild, Amy was probably about, what, about five months old and we had her in her little bathing suit and she had this little hat on and she was the cutest thing. Well, Kathy wanted to go do the other stuff. She wanted to go big down the big slide and all of that. And so I said, okay, I'll take Amy. So me and Amy got in the tube and I was holding Amy in the tube and I was floating around uh, 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 on the lazy river and I got more attention. Now look at when this big old body's floating in the tomb, the, the tube, it's not like people are either going, oh my God, rescue him but the reality is it's not like people are looking at me going woohoo but you know what all the 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 things with Amy in the tube with this little baby I caught everybody's attention and you know what everybody's going oh she's so sweet she's so sweet and I loved it me and Amy were floating in that tube and you know what it got comfortable it was nice it was cool they took no effort to get around the park none And you know what the problem is, is in Christianity, it's very easy for us to get in what I call the lazy river and just kind of float. It's like, hey, look, man, I'm in the park. You are. You are genuinely in the park. You're there. It's all what good. And I, you know what? I'm even in the water. Isn't this the point? Yes, it is. But somehow we just get caught in this float, drifting. And it's easy to grow comfortable in our complacency. And for months now, I've been captivated by this whole thing. And there's a passage of Scripture out of Revelations, and it talks about the church in Laodicea. And I need you to hear this. Please, this, this, is, this, this letter that Jesus uh, wrote this, these words that he had John write to the church in Laodicea wasn't because he was condemning it. 
It was because what he was doing was trying to wake them up. It says, and to the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold or, nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and and white garments, and that you may be clothed, that that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and opens the door, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That is such a rich thing, and it's because it's so real. The reason it's real is because I have found my place, myself there in that place. I have found myself in that place where it's kind of like, you know what, just phoning it in and just, you know, one Sunday after another, after another, after another, after another, and my weeks become predictable. And I know exactly what's going to happen, and generally that's nothing. And somewhere along the line, church, we are now in a season where God wants us to rise up, and we are going to have to shake ourselves. Can you say amen? Amen. Leonard Ravenhill, years ago, he wrote this. He says, as long as we are, to, are content to live without revival, we will. That, that moves me, church. We need something to happen. Revival must begin in the house of the Lord. And you say, what does that mean? What do I do? That means what we have to do is shake ourselves a little bit. What it means is we're going to have to contend. What it means is we may have to get back into the Bible a little bit. We may have to pray. We may actually have to say, you know what, God, I'm going to seek you out. What do you want me to do? And actually believe God. And say, you know what, I'm going to give myself to this. I'm going to build my relationship with God. I'm going to shake off those things that I know are wrong. I'm going to shake off those things that I know are hindering me. And I'm going to allow you to move. And you know what happens when God's people come alive in revival? Something truly amazing happens. It's called an awakening. And an awakening is where people from all walks of life are drawn into the salvation experience that's life-changing. So often I am asked, I'm asked all the time by different people, How do you get people to change? How do you get people to grow? Well, we don't. I can't change anything. I can't do anything. I I can't make anything grow. The Bible tells me this. The Bible says that I can plant seed, I can water seed, and I can even harvest the fruit, but it's God that gives the increase. So God is the one that brings change. God is the one that brings increase. God is the one that brings revival, and it is God that will bring in an awakening. But what is God waiting for? God is waiting for his people, his church, to come alive again because God will not birth 
illegitimate children into the house of God. These babies need parents. Can you say amen? They need spiritual mothers and fathers that will care for them. And when you and I come alive in revival again, there is a revival and an awakening that takes place where people are drawn in and all of a sudden things begin to change in a community. I was looking at the revivals of the past. In less than one year's time in the Welsh revival, from 1904 to 1905, 100,000 people were saved. In the Azusa Street revival in 1906, it literally changed the world. In 1932, revival came to North China through the prayers of one missionary woman. And it's reported that in one day, 3,000 people got saved. In 1936, revival broke out on the campus of Wheaton College in Illinois. Faculty and students confessed sins of pride, criticism, cheating, and they made things right with one another. Something happens when people get a hold of God. What is God waiting for? For us to get a hold of Him. I know of no greater need for our nation, our church, or my own life than revival that brings an awakening. This morning, I can't give you a specific prescription for revival. I, can't, I cannot get up here. I, I even thought about it when I, when I begin to think about this sermon. I, I even thought, well, maybe what I'd do is one, one section of the sermon, I would give you like a four or five or a six-point plan of how to have revival. But it just doesn't work that way. But what I can do is give you a verse of Scripture. Isaiah 57, 15 out of the New Living Translation says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I revive the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. God is the God of revival. God is the God of awakening. And if there's any moral to this story, church, it's that you and I begin to embrace revival. And we do that by embracing Him, by getting back to who we are in Him, by waking up, by shaking off, by putting on. We wake up, shake off the darkness, put on the light, and we make ourselves white hot with passion for the things of God. I remember years ago, a man said to me this. He says, what you pay attention, for, pay attention to, you create a passion for and the problem is, church, think about, just, just go back in your mind and think about how much time you spend thinking about the things of God in your day. It's not an indictment, it's not an accusation, it's not even a condemnation. It is simply a question. How much time do you spend thinking about God, whether through His Word or in prayer or just thinking about Him and His interaction in your life? If you're like most people, it's probably not a whole lot. Not because, once again, not because we're bad and evil people. Because we're not. We're the beloved of the Lord. We're good. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The reason that we don't spend a lot of time there is because it's just easy to get caught up in life. 
It's easy to get caught up with the laundry and the dishes and the work schedule and the kids going to school and the grandkids and, and you know, changing the oil in the car and, you know, I, well, now I got to go pull the weeds in the backyard and I got this and I got that and I've got all these things and sometimes what happens, I see this in my life. I can get so caught up in the work of the ministry that I forget what the work of the ministry is all about. And I feel like this is what God is saying to us. He's saying, wait a second. You need to humble yourself. And you need to repent. You need to repent. And say, you know what? God, I'm here. And what, however you want to use me. What do you want to do with me? I'm contending. I'm believing for you. We need to begin to pray for revival, church. We need to believe God. We need to stir ourselves. You know, as I think about this, I, I think about the future of our church. This is where it's going to get a little personal, okay? You with me? I think about the future of our church. Because I often wonder, you know, we, we, we know and, and we believe we're living in the last days. But it's not like people haven't lived in days like this before. So we don't know the exact time. We don't know. We know there's a lot of prophecy fulfilled. We know that. But, you know, God has a timing, and it could be another 50 years, another 100 years. In another 100 years, there's not a person in this room that's here, with the exception of a very rare one or two. So what's the future of the church look like? What does it look like? Where do we go from here? One of the things that we have to do in the midst of this revival that we are believing God for, we need to prepare for it. Can you say amen? We need to prepare. They say, well, what do you mean by preparing? We have to service revival. See, there's problems that come with revival because it's messy. The disciples who became the apostles found that out. All of a sudden, thousands of people are getting saved, and they've got all this going on, and now the apostles have no more time to spend in prayer or the Word. And so they needed to find some people to work, to labor, some people to rise up and wait on tables. For heaven's sakes, could waiting on tables be spiritual? It is probably more spiritual than you know, because one of those guys who was filled with the Holy Ghost and faith and of good report who was waiting on tables, became really supernatural. He got translated. He, he witnessed to an Ethiopian eunuch, and when he gets done, God takes him from that spot and beam me up type Scotty thing, and he's in another city, and he brings revival to, to such a, an extent he had to call the apostles and say, you better get down here. And the reality is, church, what we need is laborers. We need people that will work and labor in the church. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 9. It says, pray the Lord of the, I believe it's verse 36. It says, pray the Lord of the harvest. For the harvest is white, that he would send laborers into the harvest field. The greatest need of the church has never been money or a building or talent or time. 
The greatest need has been workers, laborers. You say, well, what is that in our church? What does it look like in our church? Because remember, I'm thinking about the future of our church, what it looks like in our church. You know, one of the ministries that, that in our church that really, really lacks is our children's ministry. We need to build a children's ministry in this church. You say, why is that? Because we need to be attractive to young families. Young people that have children and families. Do you know why that is? Because when mom and dad come and the kids come, grandma and grandpa come too. And then the whole family comes. And so what we need to do is we need to target. We don't, we don't target a, 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 a demographic to the exclusion of everybody else. But what we do is we say, look at we're going to really begin to build and work around this. You know, sometimes I think about this. I was asking Kathy the other day. I said, how many, how many uh, children's church volunteers do we have? Five. So, well, isn't that enough? Not even close. We probably need five in one service. I don't know if you've ever watched children before or tried to teach children before. It can be one of the greatest blessings in the world, but I can tell you that without the appropriate labor, it can become extremely frustrating. You say, well, what are you saying? What I'm saying is, is we need to shake ourselves. We need to step up. You know, the problem is, is here's what happens in any kind of volunteer situation. It's like, yeah, I hear you, man, and I know so-and-so is going to get it done. Somebody else will do it, but I just, I don't got time. That's the lazy river. <laughs> and what we need is we need people to rise up. You say, well, what should I do? Right here is Kathy. Raise your hand, Kathy. All you got to do is come to her and say, look, it, sign me up. Now, here's the other thing that scares people. It's like, I can't teach children. I, you don't have to. You don't have to. What we need is sometimes what we need is somebody just to be a, an attendant, to go in and check kids in and out. Sometimes what we need is a person to go in and just do what's called crowd control. Make sure that they're not, you know, lighting things on fire. Make sure they're not putting screwdrivers in light sockets. What we need is laborers, helpers. We want to build teams. We want to build a team. We want to remodel and we want to do, and we want to make it attractive so that what we can do is become attractive so that when people go, man, we want to come in, we want to go to that church, but we just don't have any place to put our kids. And sometimes we wonder, well, what's all that about? Look at it is such quality ministry because one, first and foremost, you're ministering to children. You're speaking into their lives. You can pray over them. Secondly, you're ministering to their parents that need a well-deserved respite for an hour or so to be able to hear the Word of God to help their lives. It is such a valuable ministry. It's a ministry that we can't do without. Can you say amen? And so I encourage you this morning that what you do is that you come alongside Kathy, you come to her and say, sign me up, put me on the list. And what we'll do is we'll get a meeting together and we'll create a team and we'll show you what you need and we'll teach you and train you. And look at, don't be afraid. We're not gonna put you in the deep end. We're not going to go, okay, you signed up. There you go, there's 30 kids, have at it. 
That's not what we're going to do. We're going to encourage you and help you and train you and be with you. And some of you will be able to volunteer at different times and you'll be at different stations, but it will work. This is part of revival. Can you say amen? And finally, as I bring this to a close, and Jason can come if he'd like, another part of revival that we need to pay attention to is our own personal growth and maturing. Church, we need to grow. We need to grow. We need to allow God to mature us, to change us, to speak into our lives. And you know what? Part of that growing and maturing, part of that, what that brings is a passion. See, the, the closer I get to God, the closer I grow in Him, the more passionate I become about Him. And you know what? Everything else is, I don't, who cares? Those things, the things that used to tempt me just don't. I don't have any drive for that. I don't have any, I'm not paying attention to that. There's no passion for that. I have passion for God. I don't want anything to separate me from Him. And that's me growing and being mature in Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In church somewhere, what we've got to do is we've got to be able to uh, come to a place where we say, you know what, I need to take some measurements here. In the last year, have I changed? Have I grown? Has things changed in my life? You know, we're coming to the end of another year. It's going to be 2022 here pretty quick. Two years we've been in this COVID thing, haven't we? Years are passing now. Years are passing. And what's changing? What's going on? Where are you at in your life? Where are you at in your prayer life? Where are you at in your, in your Bible reading? Where are you at in your growth in Him? See, when we talk about revival, those are all the things that begin to transpire. Do we really want revival? Or do we just want to talk about it? Because when revival comes, when we truly embrace revival, things have to change. God begins to move in a way that's outrageous. And he will move in your life. I loved what Pastor Pennington used to say years ago. He would say, God will come into your house and move your furniture around. And you know what? Jesus is not even bashful. He won't even ask you if you want it moved. He won't even show you the plan. He won't come in and go, hey, you know, he's not an interior decorator that will show you the, you know, the 3D rendering on his computer and go, this is what I propose it'll look like. No, he just comes in and he starts ripping out walls and throwing stuff away and going, we don't need that, we don't need this. It's like, well, that's my favorite thing. He goes, yeah, I know, that's why we don't need it. And he'll tear down walls and he'll repaint and he'll move things around. We need that. I'm hungry for that. How about you? And church, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to embrace this. This, like I said, I know this is a little bit of a, of a, of a, a, a different sermon and I knew that it would be, have some edge on it and a little dicey. I don't say these things to you because I want to condemn. I say this because this is on my heart. I want to see God move. I want to see our church grow. I want to see our church make a difference in a greater way, 
in the way that God has intended it to be. I believe this church has had a great destiny for years. There's a reason it's here. There's a reason that it has survived through the days of tragedy and chaos and controversy. It's because God has a plan. And you are a part of that plan. So I want to encourage you. Get a hold of God. Can you say amen? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your truth and your word. We thank you, God, that you've stirred us. And I pray, Lord, that you are changing us, God. I pray, God, that you would anoint our efforts, Father. I pray, God, that those that are here, that, God, their, their, their candle is almost out. They're, they're just a smoldering wick. Father, their reed is broken. Father, you promised you would not snuff it out, nor would you damage it, but you would prop it up, you would strengthen it. And Father, I pray, breathe, God, upon your people right now. Breathe, God, upon your people, God. Ignite that fire in them. Ignite passion in them. Lord, as they lay down the works of darkness, as they repent and change their hearts and minds toward you, Lord, and as they come to you, God, breathe upon them. God, I pray, God, give us inspiration and wisdom and understanding. Give us, give us those things, those, that creative mind. What can I do, Lord? Help us not to get stuck in some sort of comparison value system, but, God, that we would understand that every person has value. Every person has a place. No matter what they do, no matter how big or small, Father, it is valuable to you. You said in your word, God, that we are a part of a body. There are many members. And you said in that body there are are members, God, that are unseen. You say they deserve greater honor. And, Father, I pray, God, that that would become a reality here. Father, I pray, Lord, the Lord of the harvest, I pray, raise up workers and laborers. God, particularly in the children's ministry, God. I pray, Father, that you would do something powerful in this place, God. Cause us to grow in you, God. Cause us, Father, I pray, to embrace, God, what you're doing in our lives, God. And, Father, I give you the glory and I give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I know, like I say, I know this was a little bit of a different message. But I speak this because my heart is for all of us to grow. For the rise up and do what God called us to do. Can you say amen? to see every chair, every corner of this building filled with people worshiping God, saved and set free. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. Our prayer team, those are on the prayer team ministry team, they can come up front. If you you have a need of any kind, you come on up, let them minister to you. Let them minister to you. Hallelujah. We're going to release you and let you go today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.